You are listening to Conversations with Akila. Just a quick heads up. This episode was previously recorded on Slayer Weekend with Akila, so you may hear references from that show. However, it is still me. Bye-bye. Now that you're here, I I promise that I will not take up too much of your time because I know you are busy, okay? You are on IGTV, you are on lives, you are doing interviews. Like, I'm grateful that you got the time for me, okay? Um, so let's start off. How do you officially pronounce your name? I don't want to butcher it because my name is um, Arab African too. And I don't play that when people mess up my name. So give me the direct pronunciation of your name, please. Habib Akande. Habib Akande. I like that. And what does your name mean? So my first name, Habib, it means beloved or darling. It's mm-hmm. an Arabic name. And Akande means I can't remember. It's a Yoruba name. I, I can't actually remember what it means. I should know. It's okay. But yeah, that's yeah. fine. Are these your only names? Because I know sometimes in, in some African cultures there are longer versions of the name, or there's family names that are added, or because if you were if you were born on a certain day of the week, you may get a certain name. So do you have any of that going on that you don't put yeah. out there? <laughs> yeah. No, that that's usually with Ghanaians. So for Ghanaians, um, if they're born on a certain day of the week, mm-hmm. yeah, they're given a, a specific name. Okay. Um, I'm originally from Nigeria, but born and bred in the UK. But I do have six names in total. So like I've got so many middle names. Okay. And there was no offense with um, trying to give you the Ghanaian way because I know there's Joloff Wars that are going on. <laughs> and I in no way, shape or form want to offend anyone out there who may be listening. I'm on neither side. Okay. The food <laughs> is good. That's all I know. I love um, Shito. I don't know if you know that, that that black pepper sauce that go on the African food. You ever heard of it? She no, I'm not familiar. Never? Okay. Oh, I love Joloff. Come on. You know, that's a staple. <laughs> come on. I'm sure you're going to say yours is better than theirs. And No, it's not. I, I would I would lie. If I, I would be lying if I said that. Um, although I love Nigerian jello fries, um, I would say Sierra Leonean's jello fries is probably the best. Mm. Uh, like Ghanaian's rice. Yeah. But I love jello fries is my favorite food. Hey there. That's a first. You, you are an honest man. I'm going to enjoy this interview. You are an honest man. And I love that because I have never heard an African <laughs> admit that. Never. Where they from, they Joloff is the best. Okay. So no, it's not the best. <laughs> this is, this is going to be interesting. So again, I do thank you. My name is Akila Peinado. Um, I am the host of Slayer Weekend with Akila, where I'm a, I, co- I consider myself a conversationalist. Um, I'm an avid reader. Um, all things history. I honestly feel as if I should have, I should have majored in history versus English, but I did end up graduating with a bachelor's degree in English and a minor degree in public administration. And if if my husband or if my friends or those who know me um, were to describe me, she reads a lot. <laughs> I read a lot. Like I'm I'm always chasing after knowledge, not for, not even to just say I know something, but should I enter into a conversation with someone, I want to be able to. Um, you know, have it fully. I am a coach. I'm a, I'm a certified life coach as well. And in my sessions, I say to my clients, there's something called being interesting versus being interested. And when you're having a conversation, there needs to be two aspects of that going on. So if I'm interesting, you're listening to me. Oh, what is she talking about? Blah, blah, blah. And if you're, and when I'm interested, I'm listening. And I think that's a missing component um, in, in communication. So 
I have put myself in this arena yet again um, to kind of bridge those gaps. Another reason why this podcast was started in this manner, because this is like my second attempt at doing this, but I'm doing much better this time. I am. Um, I come from a heavily religious, oh, heavily religious background. I was brought up and I'm still in the world of the fundamental traditional Christian. I grew up, I did not wear pants until the age of 19. Um, I did not wear jewelry. We were not allowed to go to the movies, you know, very men is men, women are women, you know, very much like that. Very, um, people will look on the outside and think that we were called, although we weren't, we were, you know, we're all a part of this world by our choice. Uh, we're all binded either by culture or, or by our beliefs because I'm Jamaican. So the church I go to is Jamaican, you know, um, but there were a lot of things that I didn't learn about the world um, because of my very sheltered life. And if I did want to learn those things, it would almost be as if I'm going behind the backs of those and behind the teaching of, of those who have reared me and raised me. Um, and I respect that. Believe it or not, that world has shaped me into who I am today, but there has been some uh, loopholes, you know, some holes there that could have been filled a little bit differently. So I'm trying to bridge that gap now with these types of conversations. Um, I've had Beverly Jenkins on here. I've had Nana Dakoro Sekiyama on here. Um, she wrote the um, Sex Lives of African Women. I've had her on here. I've had Candice. Um, Ben Bao on here, Red Lip Theology. Like I'm talking to you guys because I really, I really want people to know there is a safe space to have these conversations without judgment. And believe it or not, a lot of the social constructs that we have humanly, um, but even on things that may be considered like sex, although sex is a very human, it is a very animal, it is a very life thing, it should be spoken about and it's not. It's still spoken about in very hush-hush ways. And I want to kind of change that. So that is why I started this platform. But I talk about everything. Like if you follow me on Instagram, I did a Reels on 90 Day Fiance yesterday. It was lit. Like I watch Raising Canaan. Like I'm a, I'm a Shondaland person. I love Courtney Kemp. Like I'm well-rounded in those areas. But you guys who write books, who take the time to write these books, to start these thought-provoking conversations, I want to talk to you guys. You know what I mean? So that is why we're here. So that's my roundabout way of telling you who I am and what I do. I hope I'm not boring you yet. Um, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. So let me take out my fan. Thank you for inviting me. That was a wonderful, very beautiful introduction. Thank I, love you. Your, I love your passion. Thank you. I want to take out my fan because let me tell you something. This book, this one, <laughs> this book is spicy and it's funny. It's funny because it is so, it is so academically written, you know, like it's not sleaze or anything like that. It's like, oh shoot, I could wait. So if he taps here and wait, hold on. There's an art, there's a, there's a method to this. This is a science book. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what this is. And I said, no, I'm telling you, I think I probably got through the first chapter and was like, okay, I'm going to reach out to him. Like, oh, thank you. He could say no. <laughs> he could say no, it's fine. But I'm gonna reach out because once I saw historian in your bio on Instagram, I said, Oh, I'm definitely reaching out now because I wanna know ultimately the topic of this podcast or the idea I had when I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to discuss the religious historical component of pleasure concerning the black woman. Um, mm. I'm very intrigued by why pleasure and being black are not synonymous if anything it's more sleazy 
mm. um, where the black woman is concerned, um, mm. it's more nasty where that's concerned. And I don't know if that's just a Western thing. I'm hoping that you can enlighten me a little bit more on that. Um, Cause I see, and some of the research that I did on you, you do know a little bit about, not a little, I don't mean little in a bad way, but I know, I know you have knowledge on the Christian background, on the Islamic background and those things. So I want to talk about that. Lovely, lovely. Um, mm. Great question. Um, I'm not sure where I can start, but <laughs> um, forgive me if I ramble on a bit, cause there is a lot to unpack. And I love mm. that question. To first and foremost when we speak about pleasure and black women mm -hmm. in terms of it not being in sync or maybe people thinking that it doesn't go together I will definitely say that's a western construct okay and that is something that I'm trying to fight against um the same way the idea or the notion that black women and desirability or black women and femininity don't go in are not in sync mm -hmm. again that's something that's a western construct that I'm trying to fight against mm -hmm. and one of the reasons why um, in particular, why I wrote Kunyaza because I wanted to center, celebrate, and venerate the Black woman and the Black woman's narrative. Mm -hmm. And because this is a cultural practice that originates from an African country, and it's primarily, it was founded by a, a, a Black African woman, mm -hmm. and it's primarily taught by Black women, I wanted to obviously A, center, like I said, their voices and celebrate, and also to show not only other Black people, but also like Westerners or non Black people that yes, you can be a black woman and you can be desirable and you can be pleasurable and you can be loving and all of the rest of the things that when people think about sex and sensuality or black women, I think many of us in the West, we have a Victorian Christian understanding. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm specific by saying Victorian Christian, not just Christian, because how, for example, I'm, I'm originally from Nigeria, as I mentioned in the beginning, mm -hmm. um, in West Africa. Um, although I'm a Muslim and most of my family are Muslim, half of my family, my mum's side are Christian. Um, but even how sensuality and sex and intimacy is understood in parts of Africa, it's not the same how it's understood in parts of maybe Europe or America, because we've adopted a, you could say, a Victorian or Christian or European understanding about sex. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's why I think it's important, even for those of us who are in the West, when we're even speaking about like the history of sex or intimacy, these type of things, whose narrative or whose story are we listening to? Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think that we <clears throat> don't realise that we have got our own stories, we have got our own, um, and I always ask people this, like when I ask people, okay, we know about the contributions of ancient Indians towards sex and sensuality with like the Kama Sutra. Mm -hmm. We know about the ancient Chinese with the Ovid tradition. We even know about Latin America, America mm -hmm. with South and things like that. We will know about Europe when we speak about Freud and all of these theories, right? But then when I ask, okay, what about the contributions that Africans have made? Hmm. A lot of people can't think of any. Or they'll, think, or they'll say crickets, exactly. Yeah. Or they'll say FGM, female genital mutilation. And as if there isn't anything else mm -hmm. that is pleasure positive, mm -hmm. that is empowering women, that is something that's great that has come out of the continent. And for me, even for us as black people, wherever, wherever we reside around the world, it's somewhat of a disservice if we think that in these over 50 countries, God knows how many ethnicities, mm -hmm. we haven't contributed anything positively towards human sexuality. And one of the reasons is because many of us are not aware of the contributions that Africans have made. Mm -hmm. That um, is true. Not to cut you off. Yeah, I don't want to cut you off at all, but you are absolutely right. You, you said something that triggered me because you mentioned Victorian age specifically. Yeah. Um, I don't know how far back your, your research goes where this is concerned, but what was the sexual idea concerning people of our hue 
or religious people before that overall governing idea governed this this yeah. sexual erotica pleasure yeah. the, the reason why the reason why i said so even if we look back let's look back in history let's go way back okay when we talk about the history of sex and sexuality in um ancient greece it was known as aros or eros erotica mm -hmm. meaning like the um the art of love mm -hmm. like from plato's time and things like that you've obviously got the karma sutra tradition which that's obviously like their own version mm -hmm. of studying and understanding love and sensuality and it's not about sex positions because even when people think about the karma sutra what comes to most people's minds is the sex positions mm -hmm. when in reality less than 25 percent of the book actually deals with sex positions mm -hmm. most people haven't read the book but when it was translated by a british um, explorer in the 19th century by a man called richard burton and then he translated it into english then obviously he made it available in the UK and the United States mm -hmm. because at that period during the Victorian age, where again, they were very prudish and very uncomfortable with anything to do with sex and sexuality. What they found so fascinating was the sex positions and that's what they kind of concentrated on. Mm -hmm. So now that's why now today, when we think about the Kama Sutra, everyone focuses on the sex positions, not realizing that the book is about love, it's about pleasure. It's a book that is actually a religious book as well because it's written from a Hindu perspective. Okay. And again, that's something that people forget as well. That's so even right. when we're speaking about religion, mm -hmm. and this is also why I wanted to speak to you as well, is because oftentimes, unfortunately nowadays, people seem to dismiss religion or mm -hmm. feel as if religion doesn't bring any value. And yes, there are some, um, I wouldn't even say religions, there are some religious communities or religious people who maybe stunt some people's sexuality but that, that, that that's not necessarily the fault of the religion itself mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I think that's why even people who adhere to religion even if you don't believe it or adhere to religion I think it's important that people are respectful in terms of when they speak about such topics not to blame religion so to speak okay because if we're going to blame religion then we also have to give religion a credit for saying it's because of religion that we've got things like the Kama Sutra because that came from a religious source. That is true. So even the Kama Sutra that was written over 2000 years ago, even the author, he said that this is a book that I basically, I'm basically a, an editor, not really an original author. Mm -hmm. And he compiled his sources from works that were written a thousand years before him. So effectively, it's a book that is speaking about the art of women's, um, the art of pleasure and importance of understanding what you need, both male and female in the spouse and things like that. That was he was collecting sources as far back as 3,000 years ago. So again, when we're speaking about the history of religion, in the ancient Indian tradition, they were speaking about just say 3,000 years ago. Now, in the Japanese tradition, they've got a, a tradition called the Shunga, which mm -hmm. from like the 16th century, you've got a number of like erotic um, paintings where they're speaking again about intimacy and love and sex and pleasure and things like that. So they've got their own tradition. The Chinese have their own tradition with the over the tradition. The Arab Muslims have, have their own tradition with their tradition known as um, uh, or erotology, mm. which is basically, um, and that kind of started in the ninth century when okay. a number of the Arabs, um, when, when they were basically based in, in Iraq, in Baghdad, mm. when they came across a number of the works of the ancient Indians, the ancient Greeks, they then, because that was written from a Greek perspective, an Indian perspective, they wanted to write their own books, but maybe like from an Islamic perspective. Mm -hmm. So they started writing books from a, their own religious perspective, drawing upon the traditions of, of other people. The same way nowadays, you've got people who are like in the Western world or wherever we are, we will take that which we find is valuable or useful from other traditions. And when, then we'll try and maybe 
make a modern rendition. Mm -hmm. So my point in saying this is that you've got different traditions and cultures. I've mentioned briefly from Japan, from China, from the Arab world, from India, from Greece, way before the Western world and way before the sexual revolution of the 1960s and this mm -hmm. idea that white women discovered, you know, the clitoris right. or white yeah. men or women before Freud, because oftentimes when people in the West are talking about sex education, it starts from Freud or Alfred, or Alfred Kinsey, as if because they were the first people to, to, to study sex in a quote unquote scientific way, and they came up with like sexology, people start think that the history of sex started with them. Mm. When there was other cultures who studied sex, but it was in a, um, but they studied it from a framework of not only looking at the act of sex, but also looking at sexual ethics mm -hmm. and sexual desire. So that's why their study was known as erotology. And there's a difference between the two. So if you're looking at erotology, it's not only looking at the study of sex, but it's also the study of sexual desire and also sexual ethics. Now, when you speak about sexual ethics, you are going to come from a certain perspective where you are. And I know it's very, um, and nowadays, everything is like, you can't be judgmental. But if you're coming from a position of ethics, you're given, you're passing the judgment, whether it's from mm -hmm. your own philosophical beliefs, your religious values or what have you. And that's what the erotologists of their time were doing, where they were kind of like giving advice or prescribing, this is what you should and shouldn't do. This is what you should look for, what you shouldn't look for in a particular spouse. So again, my, my, my point is that, um, I think it's important that those of us, you know, like in English speaking countries in particular, living in the West, that we, we look outside of the white gaze, because oftentimes, even like I said, with the Kama Sutra, the reason why we're familiar with it is because it came through the hands of a white European man who made it accessible to us. Mm -hmm. But there are other traditions like the Kunyaza tradition that it didn't go through white hands, but it's still available. But many of us are not aware of it, so to speak. So with, so with the book, it was with the, the book that I wrote, it was really one where, like I said, I wanted to highlight the contributions that black African people, particularly black women have made. And also again, like I said before, it becomes it becomes something else, but because a lot of their cultural traditions were are, are preserved orally, not in the form of a book, mm -hmm. um, I thought it'd be good to kind of maybe document some of what I found in their and their history in the form of a book and hopefully that it can also debunk some of the um the stigma surrounding like female yeah. ejaculation as well that you have particularly in the western world whereas in parts of east and central africa it's, it's normalized and I think it's a problem that um there seems to be an obsession in the west where we want to regulate female sexuality mm -hmm. if we don't understand it it's you know it's invalid until we have a a scientist affirms that this is this is a, a, a true or real experience when you have a number of hundreds of women their own testimonies saying that this experience is very different to urine but that's not enough and that's mm -hmm. problematic as well so that's why again it, I tried to write in a but I didn't want to make it too boring so mm -hmm. I appreciate you saying that the academic I wanted them, so I wanted people to know that there's research behind it but at the same time make it quite accessible for people to read mm -hmm. um, and then hopefully to inspire um, others um, to kind of then go on their own journey to kind of find out about different sexual traditions and speak to their own kind of um, communities. I feel like this book, and and when I I'm an I'm academically driven, so when I'm reading it, I'm I'm reading for knowledge. That's that. It's rare I read for leisure. Like if I was telling my husband because he listened to my Beverly Jenkins interview, he's like, "Oh my God, babe, I learned so much 
from that interview, she's a historical romance writer, but because she added a historical component, a real life historical component, um, she's an African-American historical romance writer. The things I've learned in her book, I took honors history in high school. Let me just give you a little background, how into history I am. I took honors history in high school. I learned half of what I've learned in these romance books that she has written. If you've never read one, if you're even interested, pick up any one of them. That is how in depth she goes with adding what was going on during this time period with us in this country and giving it a backstory of love. So I'm not, not because you didn't necessarily give us a, a complete love story in here. I'm so intrigued by the lack of knowledge you know, that I maybe didn't have where a lot of this was concerned. I, you never hear the word orgasm without it being sleaze. I don't even know if you can even say that on TV. You know, you do not hear black women in pleasure in synonymous sentences. They're not synonymous. They're not together. I'm not necessarily saying you hear from white, you hear white women in pleasure too, but you definitely don't hear black women in pleasure. You definitely do not have a black woman pleasure and Christianity component. Oh, I've never I, not in my world, like you've never heard that, like to say, or even like when you're getting married, you know, it's well, if you're gonna, the only time you're not supposed to tell your husband you don't wanna have sex or vice versa is when you're on fasting. You know, if you're gonna go on fasting, you guys have to make sure that you do this and do that. Not no, you'll hear the words, have fun. What does that mean? What does that mean to have fun? What does that, what does it mean? What do I like sexually? Um, why are women not encouraged to find those things out before they go into committed relationships? Why is it such a taboo thing? And I, I, I can only speak for Christianity. I mean, now, you know, following you and the, the historical things that you post talking about the Islamic faith and how certain things in the Quran are there. And if a woman is not pleased by her husband, da, 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 I said, whoa, 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 that's in the Quran. Like, how come that's not in the Bible? You know, like, well, or was it in the Bible and it was taken out? You know what I'm saying? Like, these are the things that I think about. So for me, reading this, like, launched that that firecracker for me. Like, dang, if he can get all of this from what he researched, what don't we know yeah. is my question. Well, to, to be fair, obviously, I'm, I'm more well-versed in, in the Quran that, um, than, the, um, than the Bible. But mm-hmm. isn't there, like, with the Songs of Solomon, there's, like, references to pleasure? Again, I'm not well-versed in it, but... The, song, my, yeah, the book of songs, yes, it mm, is, yeah. but I'm going to tell you this. Even when the... <laughs> this is going to make you laugh. Yeah. But even when the Songs of Solomon is discussed, they say it's a metaphor for Jesus' love for the church and, you know, how much... I'm like, come... This is real! But, like, this is real. I mean, I think I think I had Songs of Solomon read at my wedding, if I'm not mistaken. I did. And again, they they so radically religious, Christianize it, that it's like, okay, that does not exist. And let me tell you something. There are a lot of sexually frustrated people in our world, too. There are because missionary, not this, you know, I don't, this is a, we're grown here. Mm-hmm. Missionary position is the position. And if you want to do anything else, what are you, you know, what, what are you doing? And I'm not saying that's across the board, but it's so hush hush, you know, like, you know, don't talk about that. No, yeah. don't do that. Why? Yeah, I mean, I, I would argue and I, I would say that a lot of those views come from cultural understandings in terms of what is considered to be acceptable, because you mm-hmm. do have that with amongst Muslims as well. So even though, like you mentioned, and some of the posts I put out, 
the Quran is very explicit without obviously being vulgar in terms of speaking about sexuality and you know um, women's right to sexual pleasure and things mm. like that. Whereas a lot of Muslims nowadays are very uncomfortable with even those passages that they even will not talk about it. Oh. So a lot of Muslims aren't even aware Got it. Of th that it says that. Or what happens is that generally the people, shall we say, who are in power, often obviously men, will only emphasize or talk about the stories or traditions which speak about the importance of women pleasuring their husbands rather than the other way around. Mm -hmm. So it's not that the religion doesn't speak about, mm -hmm. and, I, and, I'm, and I can't remember, there's a, I think there's a passage in, in the Bible, I think 1 Corinthians, but you speak about yeah. that the woman's body is for the man oh, and the man's yes. body for the woman. So mm -hmm. that shows that, again, it goes both ways, it's mutual mm -hmm. pleasure. Whereas if you've got, for example, a pastor or a priest who's just speaking about telling women, make sure you're making yourself sexually available for your husbands and just talking about that and not speaking about it the other way around that, no, your wife also has a right to sexual pleasure and the husbands also make sure you're, you're a romancer and this, that and the other. There's balance there. Mm -hmm. But because what a lot of people, what they're hearing, they're just hearing an imbalance where it's just women are the sexual objects of their husbands, which that's not necessarily what the text says. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And likewise, you do have that in, like I said, in a lot of Muslim communities nowadays where a lot of people are shocked with some of the stuff that I'm putting out there because they're not aware of this, but it's mm. not that it's either because they haven't obviously read the text themselves, or unfortunately the messaging that they're receiving is just one way traffic as in women, this is what you need to do to please your husband, not what men need to do to please their wives. Mm -hmm. So okay. that's where, the, and that's where for me, like obviously education and knowledge is, is, a, <clears throat> is important mm. and it's a great equalizer because not only would it, hopefully empower the women so they can obviously and, I, and I'm using the word intentionally demand their rights not ask mm -hmm. and then also to inform men who've been misinformed mm -hmm. you know so I think and that's why like I, said, I think that um a lot of the religions have been um it's not like I would say the religion's fault so to speak a lot of times it's maybe the people who are like you could say in power that are not communicating the message fairly it's just mm -hmm. one way traffic, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, now, coming back to, again, you mentioned uh, what was about the black, black women and pleasure and like think about orgasm. Again, I think because we have adopted a, uh, a Victorian Christian understanding about sex and sexuality and relationships, even, the, even like words, even in, in the English language, when we, sex is often equated to, to dirty, nasty, all of these things, yeah. Well, why is that? Why is it? Why is it got a? Um, why, why do you call something that's nice? Why do you, Why do you call it like dirty talk? Why do you say that's nasty? I don't know. So it's in our language. So it's in our subconscious. Whether we, we whether we yeah. realize it or not, we're equating the act to be something that is not pleasurable. That's not something that's not fun. It's something that should be done in the dark, as in away from like even not we're even enjoying it ourselves. The two people. Mm -hmm. you know, point. So. That's why, again, it, they, I think there needs to be a shift in terms of how we view, how we view sex, how we view sensuality, and 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 I and I intentionally obviously use the word pleasure in the subtitle of my book rather than talking about like just saying sex explicitly because a a lot of people are having sex but not a lot of people are enjoying the sex that they have. Oh, you better, you think, better preach that yeah. message. That's the truth. Yeah, and 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 I think both for men and women alike, but mm -hmm. women more so. I think. We yes, we're in a, living in a very hypersexualized society where everyone and and again everyone wants to have as much sex or they're under pressure to have as much sex with so many different sexual partners. 
but a lot of people I don't think they're enjoying it both men and women alike you know I agree and it's a thing where and this is where I think religion helps because as someone who indulged in that lifestyle and yes it, I'm not gonna act like it wasn't fun <laughs> but it conflicted with my soul mm. I'm not gonna it conflicted with my soul it's not sleeping yeah it's nice to sleep with attractive women but after a period of time it, it affects your soul now saying that to someone who doesn't believe in a higher power or like you know religion or spirits and stuff like that it's very difficult to communicate that message mm-hmm. but someone who does they can kind of understand that and that's where for me my solace was when you do or when I was reading the Quran and these religious books they speak about these issues mm-hmm. and it's a very like it's a very you know it's a very um human experience or human trial that someone may go through but then you can always find grace and mercy with God. So it doesn't mean you don't go to one extreme that because one is indulged in certain things that they're damned for hell when they're like an evil person. But at the same time, because you've gone through certain things, then you can relate and understand. And again, without preaching, I can understand why people are obsessed with sex, but at the same time, there needs to be balance. Mm-hmm. And that's something that even people from a secular perspective, who don't believe in a religion or, or God or anything like that, they are still searching for something, whether they want to call it the universe, the energy, they are still they searching are. for something. They are. Sorry. You, you brought up something about the many different sexual partners, because I was going to ask, do you feel as if the quest for pleasure is why people sleep around as much as they do? Maybe that's what they're looking for, some type of physical, emotional fulfillment, because they don't know what the true sexual gratification is, because I think that's even in the Beverly Jenkins book, and I keep, I, I hate to keep bringing her up because, but it's such, it's such, I want you to read one. Like there's such a correlation. The, the male characters in the book will say, well, I'm getting ready to bring you to pleasure. And the, the female characters, because these are pious Christian women, you know, they, they're growing up in post-slavery America where, you know, church, you go to church on Sundays and it is what it is. And they're like, oh my God, it, was sex supposed to be like this? Like, th- is this what they were telling us not to do? He's talking about bringing me to pleasure, but everyone makes it seem like it's a horrible thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that misconception is so rampant. And I'm like, okay, now on the flip side in the secular um, component that you're talking about is that what it is this is supposed to feel good there's some type of psychosomatic something going on like the more I do it the more I'm gonna feel good although that's not true like what do you think the allure is that's a deep question I think um a number of th- I, I do think there is like naturally that it, it is fun or is pleasurable especially if you're getting off mm-hmm. if you're not then that's something else mm-hmm. um another reason could be a sense of validation of, of, or affirmation from your peer group so especially from for men even for women as well in, in certain situations where even as a man like to turn down an attractive woman or not or not even go after an attractive woman is seen as you're less of a man mm. so even from a re- relatively young age you have, you're being socially conditioned that in order to fulfill your manhood you need to sleep around so even if you don't necessarily want to do that, but you've just been brought up that that's what you're supposed to do. Okay. And again, there is some pleasure that comes with that. And also maybe a case of you're seeking something. So you're thinking that the more you sleep around, the more enjoyable it would be. And again, I w- I'm not going to say that it's not enjoyable, but it comes to a point. And it comes to a point, especially when you mature emotionally, not I'm talking about age-wise, but emotionally that it, it doesn't feel right because you're not connecting with these people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. And I think that's something that a lot of people... Um, both men and women alike do come to that own that realization um, but it's very difficult to admit in an in a culture where 
it's pushed that this is kind of like what you're supposed to be doing, you know? And, and I think one of the things that religion does teach, which I don't think a lot of people um, appreciate or really give them their due, their due regards is the importance of sexual discipline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like the same way it's, it's important to have discipline with food, like whether mm-hmm. you're fasting, intermittent fasting and things like that. And now it's become popularized and people talk about the benefits of fasting. This is it's important to have discipline with, with your genitals as well. It's true. It is not only with your genitals, but also even in terms of love, like not everyone you necessarily feel attached to. You should kind of give your heart to that person. And the I song think of Solomon talks about that. Right, yeah. If she's not, if she's not, if you're not gonna like bring her to blossom where love is concerned, leave her alone. Like, leave don't, her alone. don't do yeah. it. So it yeah. does talk about that. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. But in regards to, let's say, committed relationships, mm-hmm. if there is a lack of pleasure happening, yeah. and this individual, because it's it's funny, because I was watching Seeking Sister Wives. I'm a TLC fanatic. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but I was watching Seeking Sister Wives, and I said I understand polyamory more than I understand polygamy from a Western concept. I said, if you are in a committed relationship and you're like, I would feel more fulfilled if I had another man along in this process, I couldn't see me committing to caring and loving and you know, all that stuff that go into a commitment. I couldn't see me taking that on again. Like, it's just a lot. And I'm like, I'm looking at these men picking up all of these women. I'm like, emotionally, you can manage that. Financially, you can manage that. Like. Physically, you can manage that. Like, it's a lot of work that goes into all of that. However, if someone is in a committed relationship and there is no sexual gratification, because I see the questions that come in on your page. I see them. And I'm like, why is he asking us to answer this? I want him to answer it because (laughs) I would love to hear what he has to say. Like, if you were... You don't have to give me any names or anything, but if you have any stories where that's concerned, how do you think that should be handled first? So before I answer that question, just wanted to... Um, check you was you referring to you said polyandry and polygamy yes but those are two different things do you mean polyandry yes I'm sorry yes that's what I mean yes polyandry. yeah so polyandry of a woman having multiple or men having multiple and then men and, then, and polygamy is men having multiple women so which yes. one was you because I thought polygamy is where there was the whole marriage component to it well, like the... yeah well technically polygamy polygamy refers to either a man or woman having multiple partners Period. polyandry is a woman having multiple partners or multiple husbands Poly- okay. polygyny is a man having is specifically a man having multiple partners so okay. which so which one was you which so one I, did, did you say that you couldn't understand that so man i'm gonna ha- i'm gonna say from the understanding that i have because you just gave me a different understanding but from the understanding i have i thought polygamy was where we all went into these committed relationships with each other so like I'm his second wife or he's my second husband or my third husband yeah, or that's great. that I thought that's what polygamy was and then I thought when you were in a polyamorous or polyandry relationship I thought that was okay we just get together like my husband or my committed partner knows that I have someone that I see on Tuesdays and Thursdays yeah for dinner and sex and all that other stuff and then I go back home I'm not involved in his or her life I don't take no, care right. of her. No, that's sorry, what right. I thought the difference was but you have given me a different understanding no sorry what you said no what you said was was correct I was just I just um wanted to double check because you did mention polygyny and polygyny oh. specifically to a man having multiple so are okay. you saying you can understand why a woman has multiple partners but you can't understand why a man does or the other way no around. what i was saying is i either men or women i could understand you saying okay i'm in a committed relationship hypothetically right. speaking y'all out there i'm married 
Yeah. But you know, me and this man have been together almost twenty years. You know, it's it, maybe it's time for me to try a little, you know, something different. Yeah. Hey, honey, how do you feel about me getting a, a boy Friday? You know, how do oh, you okay. how do you feel about that? Because you know, you're gonna still be my husband. Our kids are still our kids. This home is still our home. But I want to like kind of you know get my groove mm-hmm. on on Fridays and Saturdays with no judgment. Hello, Akila. Yes, can you hear me? Hello. I lost you. No, no, no. No. Am testing, I... testing. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can. I, I lost you for a second. Okay, I'm here. I'm here. What was the last thing? It's fine. Don't edit that out. What was the last Sorry. thing you heard me say? I lost you when you said um, you were speaking about the difference between polygamy and oh. you said if I wanted to. No, sorry, no. You said if I wanted to get like a um, a boyfriend, a, a boyfriend, yeah. Okay, so what I was saying is, if I was to say to my husband, you know, I just want to, you know, oh, get a little no, something. Not again. No way. <laughs> is it my Wi-Fi or is it yours? Oh, I don't because I can see you. On. You can't see me. Oh, no. no. This is going. Can you see me now? Yeah. Now is is it my is it on my side or your side? Because I've got full bars. It's it's okay. Um, Sorry about this. No, it's fine. Can you see me? Listen. I can see you and hear you can now. You it's me? fine. Okay, so let's. Don't worry about it. They will edit this out. Um, so I was saying is that I could understand someone who's been in a relationship twenty years saying, "Okay, I'm kind of ready to try something different." But for me or him or whomever to say, I kind of want to bring another person into this di- this home dynamic. I don't get that. I, I, I just don't understand that level of, there's a lot of work that go into relationships. They're fulfilling, they're loving, they're caring, but that's a lot of stretching yourself thin. You know what I'm saying? And women can tend to be a little catty and jealous. Like, why are you spending more time with so-and-so than me? You bought her a two-carat diamond ring and you only bought me 1.78. No! It's too much. And I'm not against it. I don't judge. I do not judge. I do not. Whatever floats your boat rocks my boat. Okay. I love it. But when I think about the the amount of work that goes into it, I'm like, oh, hell no, that's too much. But what I was asking you is in a situation where a woman or a man is not sexually satisfied in their relationship, what steps should they take? What would be the first thing you say to them? Yeah, that's a very good question. I do. That is one of the... um most frequently asked questions that I receive. And the reason why, so when people send me like DMs, I do try and respond to most. Um, uh-huh. So the ones that I do put up, A, I have their permission. And obviously I'll anonymize it so people of don't course. know mm-hmm. the person who I'm speaking about. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I don't always necessarily share um, the advice that I gave that particular person, because I want to hear, because I've obviously I've got my own opinion. Every, I want other people to potentially give their own advice mm-hmm. and thoughts and also um because again the, the nature of advice I look at is like listen to obviously different people and then take what, what you think is good for you mm-hmm. um but one thing I've noticed is that there's a lack of empathy like when a woman is has has an issue or like when she's struggling mm-hmm. there's a lot more there's a lot of compassion a lot of people that are more helpful in terms of trying to help the woman when it's the man that's struggling mm-hmm. um a lot of people that put comments and it's mostly women they're less empathetic like get over and, it, <laughs> and yeah, it's like get over it, or he must be gay. Like there was a woman, like there was a woman that I put up a post was it yesterday, and she was saying that her, um, her husband was, um, I think maybe was suffering from premature ejaculation, mm-hmm. and it couldn't last more than two minutes, and she was comparing him to her ex, and someone put like yeah, he, he's gay, and it's just like well, this is the type of no, but the, and the, and this is one of the reasons why a lot of men do not open up. 
And even because of even even there was a, a post that I put up. Um, this is a, I think this time last year, and I was thinking of whether to to, to talk about it, but because um, this is public knowledge, it wasn't. But I think because a lot of people wasn't aware of it. Where I don't know if you knew if you're aware of like Malcolm X's um, the letter that he sent to Elijah Muhammad in early years of his marriage. No. Oh, you weren't aware of that. Oh, and I put up a post. So basically, he sent out a letter in the early years of his marriage to Elijah Muhammad. Obviously, he was his mentor at the time, and he um he was a very deep letter. And I can send you the the full le- um, letter. And he was complaining that he was struggling to sexually satisfy his wife, mm. and he was saying that she was you know complaining and saying that you know if if you don't basically your if you don't give me the pleasure that I need, I'm going to embarrass you by basically going elsewhere yeah it's a very explicit and he now again for me as a man I understood what he was saying Mm -hmm. and I understood because again a lot of women think that men can get it up and last for as long as they like and it's not that's not always the case Mm -hmm. and um again so he was he was speaking about some of his his insecurities but when I put up and I was talking about like this is like for me it showed the vulnerability the honesty mm-hmm. and the importance of even having someone that you could that you can reach out to and he even said you're only the you're, you're the only person that I can speak to about this because obviously it was like a personal matter mm-hmm. but the comments were like horrific it's either people people for AI was and I love Malcolm X he's one of someone that's one of very few people that I really admire and look I look up to but it's interesting that a number of people they looked at it as if he was even less of a man because he was struggling. He admitted that he was struggling mm. and he was asking for advice. And this is also one of the issues that there seems to be a lack of, like I said, empathy. And there's not, not many places that men can go to where mm. they're not going to be judged and criticized. Because a man said that he's struggling with something, especially something sexually, it doesn't mean that he doesn't like the woman or mm-hmm. he's less of a man. He just needs some help. And it doesn't mean that even he may even have an, a problem. There just may be a difference in terms of expectation, sexual expectations, which mm-hmm. which we all have, and that's fine. Um, so yeah, so with one of the things that just coming to your question, one of the things that I always ask people when they come to me with these questions is that first and foremost, have you spoken to your other half? Have you spoken to your spouse? Very good places. And outside of the bedroom as well, because oftentimes I will find men will be speaking to other men like their friends and this that, and the other or women will be speaking to their friends but they very rarely have an open and honest conversation with that person that they're in in having relations with Mm -hmm. so that's the first thing I always say because and then some people they have these oh but they won't understand or she won't understand it's like but have you tried Mm -hmm. and not in the moment Mm -hmm. and if you're opening up and speak and again when there's and all of the the great books about like love and relationships like whether it's you know like the five love languages Esther Perel's um mating captivity books and a lot of these books they're dealing with where you've got two people in love with each other mm-hmm. but there's a, either like a disconnect whether it's in terms of they don't know how to demonstrate their love to one another or sexually or the passion is gone but they still love each other they still want to stay together mm-hmm. the way people and this is another reason why I put up some of the posts <laughs> everyone's quick to say divorce leave him he's not it's just like what over that <laughs> over so many things and that's why it just shows as well that advice is people people are very quick to give advice without even knowing the full story mm-hmm. and that's also why it's, it's very dangerous as well because mm-hmm. it's like because as well maybe and some people they'll personalize or they because they've gone through something similar oh my ex did that to me or my boyfriend did that to me and it's just like wow so for me the reason why i post it is so people can see 
can you see why people don't really want to open up mm-hmm. when you see mm-hmm. these type of comments kind of thing and if, if I were to put my um advice again I'm not trying to make it like mine is the greatest or the, no. be- the I'm not trying to influence so that's why I leave it for people to kind of make their own comments and then they can kind of like argue or whatever or, or talk amongst themselves in the comments and I'm just noticing it but it it it, it, it but the and again in certain communities or especially in um South Asian well we call in the UK South Asians people they see I don't know what you call I know, I'm, I must understand that in, in America you call people from the Indian, Indian subcontinent as um is it Daisies like Indians Indians mm-hmm. Indians Pakistan yeah so we call yeah, them South Asians yeah, mm-hmm. we call them South Asians in, in the UK. Okay. Now, it's a very culturally um, conservative, um, you know, community where even talking about sex, even amongst people that are married, it can be very difficult. Yes. Um, so a lot of the questions that I receive from people from that background, um, again, I have to tread a bit more carefully or I'll mm-hmm. refer them onto people that can culturally, they can kind of relate to. Mm-hmm. And because... There are a number of people, like I get some questions where um, a woman has said that, and this is again, this is her belief system. Mm-hmm. And some of it's coming from what she thought the religion says, which I'm trying to educate. That's not necessarily what the religion says. Where one woman said, and I've had this actually a couple of times that, um, A, am I allowed to be intimate with my husband with the lights on? Um, can, do I need, some people believe that there needs to be a sheet between the woman and the mm-hmm. man, and there just needs to just be a small hole. Mm-hmm. for him to do what he needs to do mm-hmm. um there's this idea that sex or the belief that sex should be is painful or should be painful for the woman and that that's how we can prove that she's like a um a real woman or like a virgin and then they've all of these a lot of the and a lot of these come from cultural traditions that have got nothing to do with the religion mm-hmm. or they've got like virginity testing i'm sure you're familiar with that yeah. where you've got people that will um even family members from both the groom side and the bride side wait outside of the bedroom on the wedding night and wait to see the blood stains. When they see the blood stains on the sheet, people are still doing that. They're still doing that. They're still doing that. Yeah, they're still doing that. In parts of in parts of like in parts of the Arab world and parts of North Africa, yeah. So there's a lot of people, and and again, because I'm aware that these things still go on, also have to be quite careful that I can't dismiss it because it's maybe alien to me. Mm-hmm. It's not alien to that someone's normal experience, but then it mm-hmm. takes a while to kind of re-educate. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and and a lot of the work um I'm trying to do as well is you're trying to you could say create a safe space or where where men feel comfortable because there's a lot of work that's been done to help women and to empower women and to educate mm-hmm. women, which is great, but there's not much done for men. Now, again, obviously I work with heterosexual people so if you're doing all especially like when we speak about the orgasm gap if you're doing all of this great stuff to help empower women and helping women understand their body and know um, accept themselves and be able to reach climax but you're not helping them communicate with men because it's all well and good she'd be sexually empowered by herself mm-hmm. but as soon as the a man is in the picture she goes back to she shuts herself down mm-hmm. that's when it's a problem or the man doesn't allow her to open us open up where he doesn't create a safe space where she feels comfortable in his presence so it's why like I tried to make even with the the page and the work that I'm doing to try and make it less or more informal okay. and more kind of like play enjoyable so when you think about pleasure when you think about something that's fun when you think about something that's that brings happiness and joy you don't think about rules no. and that's what sex should be mm-hmm. 
free. But when you go into it free, exactly. But mm. when you go to it like regulated, it should be like this. It should be like that. All of, that that will cause anxiety. That will cause um, you know, overthinking, second guessing yourself. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at this and this is like a pleasurable experience or should be a pleasurable experience, then there's no set rules. Mm-hmm. It's like whatever works for the both of you. The same way, like if you were you know like dancing but not in a choreographed way kind of thing so that's that's kind of like my approach you know if we had time i would then want to talk about intimacy and and that role um where pleasure plays a part in intimacy because sex can feel good it can feel great but i believe that there's no true intimacy in this dyad in this component then you the true pleasure still is in reach you get what i'm saying but we don't have time to go there because that's going to be a completely yeah. different conversation because a lot of people, a lot of people are married, but they're not intimate. Yeah, sex isn't true. the only level of intimacy. It's not. Yeah. And, and, you know, for women, sex happens way before the physical act for us. Maybe for men too. That's maybe that's something you and I can talk about another time. Sex is a mental thing. If you're not feeling good about yourself, if you're not feeling good about yourself in the relationship, if you don't feel like this man genuinely loves you, even if you reach orgasm, it's still something is, in my opinion, something is still going to feel like it's missing. Yeah, no, right? you're right. You're right. I agree with that. The only thing I would say, because um, I do agree with you about the, the importance of intimacy is, and this is the only thing that I'm struggling with when I'm speaking to, because sometimes I do workshops that's male only, some obviously women only, and some that's obviously both men and women alike. Mm-hmm. Um, because men don't generally respond to intimacy, Mm-hmm. how do you, they want intimacy but how do you convey it how do you convey that message the importance of, of of intimacy okay do you understand what i mean i do and the reason we'll do it, so and the reason why i say that is because women understand what it means and you can obviously explain the importance of it but because it doesn't hit home for a number of men but men mm-hmm. obviously need to create that space and, and establish where there's intimacy and have that connection is it's trying to find words or um scenarios or stories which they can relate to to create that intimacy or to know that this is what you need in order to have a fulfilling sexual encounter for both you and your partner i i feel like and because i have done speaks um speaks engagement speaking engagements on um different relationship platforms or you know one particularly named love purposely shout out to wakisha mccoy i've done that with her and i was talking about like how judgment in a relationship can damage that Mm -hmm. and i'm not just talking about oh you know um you stink or you are whatever but if there's a constant i don't feel good enough or i feel ridiculed vice versa this is not just a woman thing or a male thing if there's a certain level of i'm not sure if this is okay you're not going to be able to have that and i think for a lot of women i even hear well he only touches me when he wants to have sex Uh oh that's a that's a conversation to be had. If you feel as if he's only touching you and wanting it to lead to that level, and you're like, Dad, sometimes I just want to hold your, you know, hold your hand. Sometimes I just want to know you're rubbing my back to rub my back. I don't want to always have to be on guard, like, oh hell, he rubbing my back. Here we go. I don't want to do that right now, but I do want some level of cuddling and that warm feeling. A lot. Oh no, did I lose you again? I lost you again. No. I can hear you. Just it's just slowing down, but I can hear you. Okay. No, I can hear you. I can hear okay. you. Okay. I, I, I think I think that's also an issue. I think that's also an issue too. And I think that's something that needs to be 
that's something that can be um, discussed among men and women. Um, even if you're not in a committed relationship, you could tell the person that you are in a sexual relationship with, this is what I need in order to feel like I have this closeness with you. But again, that is a whole nother conversation. And I don't, we're, at a, we're almost at an hour, believe it or not. Yeah, that. Uh, not going to hear you. I'm here. You, that me or you? Um, Who knows? Don't worry about it. Oh. Good. I, I don't know if it's. Uh, maybe let me see if I can change. I no, I'm here. No, no, no. It's okay. I can. Laptop. It's fine. That's slowing us down. Oh, no. Can you hear me? I can. can. you hear me? I can hear you. It's just cutting up really bad when you're talking. I don't know I if don't it's. I don't know why. Cause let I, me see if I can change my. Um... I'm not getting any um internet connection. Because, you know, Zoom would be quick to tell you poor internet I, connection. I think it might be my side let me okay i think my internet is poor let me just change no problem should be better now okay sorry about this no listen this okay. is not my can, can you hear me now i can okay great yeah I, I would say that unfortunately this is what i've kind of found i think there are a number of men who i don't know how to say this or how like to say it properly that there are a number of men who sleep with women, but they don't actually like women. Meaning don't like them or not As sexually in, attracted to them? No, they like women sexually, mm -hmm. but they don't like them. They don't like love women. As in, mm. if you, and the reason why I say this is that if, for example, because I hear that a lot that, you know, there's some, you know, women that will complain that he just touches me when he wants to be intimate with me. Mm -hmm. But if it's things that I want or I need, um, that especially like, non-sexual forms of intimacy he's not there for me and, and it, when i speak to some men who like look at it like a chore if mm -hmm. you like someone when you like someone when you love someone the same way like how you love your mom or your your especially their, their mother you do things for someone that they will like that not necessarily like you even really if it's something that's going to make them happy you do you, you do it for them Very true. that's I always ask the question like do you like women or like do you love women like and think about it not no of course i like women i sleep with them no 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 I didn't say, do you sleep with oh. women? I'm not saying, you, I'm not asking if you're gay. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, do you actually, or not, do you like women? Do you like, do you like the women that you're sleeping with? Because there are a number of men who go into sexual encounters where they're just concerned with their own pleasure. Mm -hmm. They're not concerned with her pleasure because they don't like the woman. Mm -hmm. I can see that. I can. Do you understand what I mean? I can. And, I, and that, and that, 100%. And as, and as men, it's very easy for us. We can sleep with a woman that we don't necessarily like. Mm -hmm. And that some that befuddles a number of women. They're thinking, how's that possible? But yeah, it's for, you can sleep. We can sleep with a woman that we actually despise, but we find because it's about my pleasure. It's about the man's exactly. pleasure. Right. Exactly. Okay. Now, if you like someone, if you really like someone, I use the word like instead of love. But even if you really like someone, you would do things for them to please them to make them happy. True. And that's the thing. That that's where it's a question of. I'll ask some of these women, especially if they're dating and. Does he actually, do you, do you, what do you think, do you think he actually likes you? And that might be quite difficult to answer. Hmm. Not that, he, that there's anything wrong with you, because if he's not, if he doesn't want to go out of his way to please you, to make mm -hmm. you happy, without thinking about what is he going to get in return, then I'll question, does he actually like you? The same way when you have men that will say, um, I don't mind receiving head, I won't go down on woman unless she's my wife, or unless in exceptional circumstances, like a, it's a birthday. And then it's like, okay, 
even that mindset and i hear that this is from fully grown men that still have this mindset. i believe you <laughs> that, okay so you don't mind receiving fellatio that's fine because you're getting getting off great but you don't want to give her pleasure because it's just for her and you feel that what she she doesn't deserve it because mm. you're not getting something out of it do you understand that, 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 that that's that's the thing so that's why again i think it's the it's trying to understand because there's some men that do have these views that they don't not all women but they don't value the women or the woman that they're sleeping mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. that deserve part wow you that that word in itself just like another firecracker like i wonder maybe that's what it is she don't deserve it because yeah. it's all you know fellatio and what's the what's the other word for it fellatio and cunnilingus yeah. <laughs> it's almost a humbling experience yeah. It's almost a it's almost a very humbling thing to do. You're either on your knees or you're in a position of being lower. You're almost in a servant position. Submission. Yeah. And that could you let's this this is this is good. This could, <laughs> we could easily go on for another two hours. <laughs> like, because there's so much. I'm like, I want to ask that. I want to ask that, but we're gonna maybe I need to bring you back. Cause there's two other books that I discovered. I said, hold on, wait, wait, wait. There's more. Because this book took like two weeks to come. I'm like, no, I need I need these books at my fingertips now. Like, are they on Kindle or what, Apple Books or something? Because I can't wait two weeks. I, I can't. Like, I can't do it. Yeah, I'm sorry. They're not oh. available on Kindle. Sorry. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm like, come on. Like, I got to wait another two weeks. All right. I'll order them. I'll order them. I'll wait. I'll wait. Because I definitely want to read Taste of Honey. I want to read that one for sure. So I will order it. Since I got to order it. I, I appreciate that. Since I got to wait two weeks to get it, Mr. Man. So once I get that one, if you have any time in your schedule, we can continue this conversation and discuss that book. How does that sound? Yeah, I would look forward to that. Okay, good. So before you go, is there anything you're reading right now outside of your books? Is there anything you want my audience to read to continue this conversation? I mean, your book for sure is going to be in the, in the notes, but is there anything else that we could probably indulge in that you feel as if would give us more enlightenment towards what you were discussing? Oh, yes, there is a book. I'm trying to find the name of author, Fair of the Black Body. You could always That's send it to me an email. And yeah, I, Fair, I, yeah, Fair of the Black Body, I think is an excellent book. Okay. Um, so the, the Racial Origins of Fat Phobia by Sabrina String, that's the name of the book. So no, Fairy in the Black Body, The Racial Origins of Fat Phobia. Mm. Um, another book, um, The Arts of Seduction by Seema Anand. Okay. Um, that's like a modern rendition of the Kama Sutra. So she, what she's done is she's got the Kama Sutra, but she's made it um, easy to read and for modern audiences. And she sp speaks about like, even like with the sex position, because a lot of people, they're blown away when I tell them that like only 25% of the book is about sex positions. Mm -hmm. And even the sex positions that they speak about, the reason why the author spoke about different sex positions was because to help people with different genital sizes, so they can synchronize. Oh. That's the whole purpose. Because if someone of a certain, so with the Kama Sutra, how we laid out is like, for example, looking at the man's genitalia, you even look at it by first three fingers, then the next three fingers, then the next three fingers in terms of the measure of the length. And he was saying that there's certain positions that's more pleasurable. For example, if you've got a man with a smaller member and a woman that's maybe more medium or larger, that would be more, more mutually pleasurable for both of them. So the whole idea is not like the way we've understood 
um, Kama Sutra nowadays like a form of sexual um, gymnastics or, mm-hmm. you know, just tick box exercises. Like, no, the whole idea is you're supposed to find which pleasure, which positions are suitable for the couple. Got it. And getting to know each other. But that's a really good book. So yeah. they're two books. Um, and uh, The um, Passage by Angelica Lindsay Atley. Um, it's a really good book. So it's, it's like a journal. Could you email these um, to me? Because I want to make sure I get yes. the, the writing, the names yes. right and the, and the titles right. Please email them to me. Also, follow yes. me on Instagram. Um, yeah. So you can, know, and I'm going to email you when this episode is, um, when this episode drops, you will definitely be the first to know. Um, so you can share it on your platform as well, but you will be coming back. I just hope you're prepared for that because you're going to come back. Um, <laughs> um, not, oh no, did I lose you again? Hello, hello, hello. I lost you again. No, I'm here. Okay. I'm, here. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to, I'm definitely, I, if with your permission, I definitely want to have you back on to continue this conversation because this is really good. And these are, th- especially hearing it from a black man. Sorry for y'all who are, you know, may not understand that, but hearing this come from a black man is important. It is, it's, it's important to hear this. And I want this message to be pushed out a little bit more and flushed out a little bit more. And I'm sure I'm going to get questions from this episode too. So um, I definitely will want to go over some more of that, those things with you. If that's okay. No, that's fine. And yeah, I'd like to have you on my platform and interview you. We could do an IG live interview if you're, if you're. Whenever uh, if you're you are ready, you yeah. let me, I will be on there with bells and whistles. Okay. I will go when you're, okay. cause I want to, I want to continue this. I do. You can have me on like every week. I don't care. I want to continue to have this conversation. I do. Okay. Lovely, lovely. Yeah, I'll, yeah. We'll, I'll definitely um, yes. look at my diary and I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll cause I want to do some more research on you and cause I like to be well prepared when I'm doing my interview. Oh, like, I'm I not. I'm not. I'm not as important as you. Trust me. I'm not. No, no, I'm no, not no, as. No, I'm nowhere no. near as important as you. No, no. I am. Everything I just told you is who I am. <laughs> that is me. But I am a good conversationalist. So even if you just want to have me on to continue this conversation, we could do that. No, I would want to interview you. I don't like to talk when I do my IG lives because I want to. Okay. give the light to the person that I'm speaking to and I think it's important that like we have more black women like yourself mm-hmm. who speak and again speaking and again irrespective of whether it's come from a uh, um a difficult background but the fact that you I, well, and that's why I wanted to speak to you like when you spoke about was your Christian background mm-hmm. like I said in the beginning I think religion has people I don't like the way people feel like oh in order to become sexually empowered or sexually liberated I need to leave religion behind mm. It may not be the religion you need to leave behind. It's the people that got a, a backward view of religion, so to speak. So that's why, um, yeah, that's definitely the reason why. You why have just summed up. You have just summed up what it is. That you you literally just summed it up. You don't have to leave the religion. Maybe you need to leave those that thought pattern and those people behind. That's perfect for sure. So yes, email me the books. Let me know your schedule, and I'll be sure to make myself available. Okay. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you for being understanding. No, COVID tried to take a girl down last week. So thank you for being understanding. And we're going to be doing this again, okay? Lovely. Enjoy your night. Take care, Kila. Take care. care. Bye-bye. You just finished listening to Conversations with Akila, where I have a lot to say. Okay? Please be sure to tune in every Friday where you can have a conversation with yours truly. We'll be talking about any and everything. Nothing is off the table. 
Please remember to share this and like it and comment everywhere podcasts are heard. We are on Apple, we are on Spotify, you name it. Your like, your comment, your share will help this podcast grow, grow, grow. I appreciate you. Thank you.